I'm coming in. This is Dan Elgin, USA, MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. With the brand new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone ever on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for just $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires support and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Robinson Show on the program. I have the official DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks, also the NCAA Women's Basketball Final Four, and Wisconsin Badgers football, DJ Shauna. She's going to talk about being the DJ for an NBA franchise, and then we're also going to talk about some other things. That's all coming up after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Robinson Show. People who are sick should stay home. You don't go to an emergency room, you don't go to a clinic, you get on the phone and you ask for advice and instructions from your physician. Then you use those instructions to determine what you're going to do, but the first reflex should not be, I feel sick, I'm going to go to an emergency room, I feel sick, I'm going to just go to a doctor's office. We need to physically separate. Ultimately, you may need, obviously, to see a physician or to go to a hospital. The first reflex should be to make a call to your physician. You've been camping in your backyard cycling in your living room you've been enjoying rain showers in your bathroom campfires on your tv screen you've been counting stars and birds from your window and holding family cookouts in the kitchen now get ready to go go on a real vacation take the wheel at your nearest rv dealer or at GoRV.com. Summertime's right around the corner, and when you're back on the roads, guess what else is back? Traffic. So you'll want to breeze through the express lane with a peach pass from Associated Credit Union. Finance a new auto loan or refinance an existing auto loan from another lender through ACU, and you'll get a peach pass preloaded with $120. You'll also enjoy no payments for the first 90 days. Learn more online at acuonline.org slash peach pass. Associated Credit Union, helping you live, bank, and grow for over 90 years. Switch to T-Mobile and get four lines for just 30 bucks each and the incredible iPhone 11 on us so you can take a portrait photo of the whole family with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry into T-Mobile and get four lines for 30 bucks each and the incredible iPhone 11 on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Finance agreements required.
right, everybody, welcome back to the program. On the program, I have the official DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks and also for the NCAA Women's Basketball Final Four and, of course, the University of Wisconsin Badgers football. We want to welcome to the program DJ Shauna. Hello, Shauna. How's everything? Hey, Ed, what a, what a, man, I can't stop smiling. Thanks for having me, man. That was awesome. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. And, uh, again, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. So let's jump right to it. You are the official DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks, and certainly that's a, an esteemed honor because we know how sports and music go hand in hand. I wanted to ask you, how did you land the gig uh, to become the DJ for the Bucks? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Ed. Um, to be honest, I have been DJing, man, I, I hate dating myself, but I've been DJing since 2006 um, after I graduated undergrad from the University of Wisconsin-Madison where I played basketball. And I have been in bars and clubs. I've held residencies in Milwaukee, Madison, Chicago, down south when I lived in Louisville going to grad school, overseas when I played basketball in Holland, Um and I came back to Milwaukee after I was done playing professional basketball, and I was back in bars and clubs full-time. I was DJing anywhere from four to six nights a week and for about three years, and I just kind of hit a wall. I started to get – I felt burnt out. I felt empty, and I wanted something different. And I, my eyes were opened to live entertainment, and that's when I learned that DJs are almost everywhere um, whether you go to the mall, if there's like a shoe drop or Victoria's Secret or, um, you know, block parties. And then I started to learn about um, DJs being involved in athletics. And so I've been working with the Bucks. This was, um, this is my fourth season. And I had been um, support for our official DJ, DJ O, who's a wonderful friend and mentor. And I got presented the opportunity almost a year ago. And it was just something that I, I couldn't turn down. And um, I learned a lot real quick. Wow, that's awesome to hear. Again, I mentioned earlier, you know, sports and music are kind of like those two things that go hand in hand. And certainly for people that may see you being a DJ for a, a professional sports team, is like, oh, well, she's just playing music. But can you tell our audience just what your job title in, consists of as being uh, the DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks? Like what, what, what is your job description, in other words? That's a great question. Um, I think it's pretty fluid. You know, it seems, like you said, kind of cut and dry. But um, if we have a regular home game that's set to tip off at 7, I usually get to the arena about 12.30. And that's to make sure that I have enough time to set everything up. Personally, for me, I set up two different DJ booths. So I'm on the court to start at half court, Um pregame uh, or excuse me even like pre-doors so when our players are out there and the other team's players are out there warming up I'm I'm you know spinning a playlist that they're hopefully vibing to and getting ready and I think something for me is like you said music is so important as an athlete like it's part of our culture it's you know every basketball player wants to be a rapper and every rapper wants to be a basketball player and um, it's something that I just I love. I take a lot of pride in to be able to play a playlist for Giannis while he's out there doing his thing and I, I, all the guys. And I start to learn the type of music they like, the artists they like, and what they want to hear. And um, then as we move into doors opening, the show sort of changes. And that's exactly what it is. I think especially when you're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks, which um, I'm extremely proud to be a part of, 
one of the best entertainment teams in the league. And um, we, our show starts, and it's entertainment, and it's in your face, and it's nonstop, and we want you to have an experience. So while we recognize there are incredibly talented athletes on the court, everything else is on 100 as well. Like it just it's, it's meant to be that way. It's designed to be that way. And then um, National Anthem starts, and I relocate, actually, at that time, and I move into um, my DJ booth that's um, – it's, right now, it's it's been located behind the opposing team's basket, and I'm about like 32 rows up, and that's where I play every single sound that you hear in the arena, unless it's a video, is coming from me. So in-game sound effects, like if Giannis scores, he's got a um, a score track. If Bledsoe scores, if um, Brooke Lopez hits a three, I hit the splash button. So all of those effects, and then when timeouts happen all of the sounds, again, unless they're a video, are coming from me. So if it's a bed under a read that we have, a promotion that we have, or a game, you know, that we're playing during a timeout or anything, all of those sounds are coming from me. So for me, it's kind of nonstop until maybe about 15 to 17 minutes until uh, that last buzzer goes off. Wow, that's interesting to hear because I think thank you for giving such insight on how a DJ for a professional sports team, just what it duties, what it its duties entails, because a lot of people see it as just over oh, there, just playing music. Yeah, they're playing music, but they're also, as you said, you're catering to the athletes, and also, as you mentioned, you provide sound effects and you you set the the mood for the crowd. And I want to stay with you mentioned about a playlist and I had mm-hmm. several DJs on the show and I asked them about certain players playlist. Let's start with yeah. Giannis. What, what, what does Giannis playlist consist of? You know, he's such an easygoing guy. Um, I think in getting to be around him, so I've, I feel really fortunate to have been able to, I get to, these guys have me DJ their private parties. And so I've gotten, I feel lucky to have gotten to know them on a different level than, um, you know, just number 34 on the court. And um, so I guess that's how you kind of get to know their music preferences and taste. And frankly, if I had to say, you, I could put anything on and Giannis is in the zone. He's focused. There's things that I know that he wants to hear, um, you know, that I'll go into. And um, when he's feeling loose, like he he rapped along to Lil Wayne's Kobe Bryant song that we had played. Um, after the passing of Kobe and Giannis would stop his workout and, and say every single word and I would play it start to finish for him. Um, and there's other, you know, there's other songs that the guys will come up and mention it, but um, honestly I could play anything and it doesn't matter for Giannis because he's just, he's there, he's focused, he's locked in. And uh, sometimes we can strike a chord and, you know, there's gifs of him from this season uh, dancing at halftime break dancing and, and that always makes me happy like because I love to be a loose basketball player I think we play better basketball when, when we're loose or we're not uptight so I like to be able to add value but um, he loves his afro beats man burn boy is his, is his guy and so if I can find a way to work that in that's uh, always, always <clears throat> excuse me a plus Okay, cool. Now, it seems as though, uh, what about the Lopez brothers, Brooke and Robin? They seem to be uh, <laughs> very energetic and very uh, uh, loose and free. What, are their, what does their playlist consist of? 
You know, I have to be on those guys. Those they're amazing guys, like I said, and I've had some cool interactions with them um, outside of the basketball court. And I don't know that they care either what's happening. Um, usually, when they come out for their warm-ups, the doors are already open. Um, I think that's been something that's been so impressive to me, especially for me as being a former professional athlete in a totally different space. Listen, watching that these guys are able to still get their workout in and warm up properly no matter what's going on. And um, But I do know the Lopez brothers have phenomenal taste in music, and we were we had a private event, and they kept hitting me with some songs that I looked at them, and I was like, I am very impressed. And um, I think it, it just it's one of those things that they pull things. It's not shocking because they're so intelligent and they're so well-rounded that their music taste is just as eclectic as they are. And, and like I said, I don't think I can ever play anything that's wrong. That's something I've been thinking a lot about with this team. Um, I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, Giannis had a, a tweet or something on Instagram that went viral. I think he went live talking about One Direction. And, like, that's the kind of team we have, you know, like there's, there's no hate for any kind of music, and that's what made my job really easy and a lot of fun is that I think top to bottom these guys just love basketball and love music and love people, and all of those things are just a great chemistry to bring people together and have, you know, a phenomenal team chemistry as well. Okay, fair enough. And while we're still on the subject of playlists, I'm going to ask you about a couple of more stars, Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton. Mm. Are they pretty relaxed yeah. in their uh, their playlists? Yeah, uh, Bled, I know for a fact, loves Warren Hill. And Lauren Hill is tough to get into workouts just because of the, the vibe it is. But um, uh, Chris, too, he hasn't – honestly, Chris hasn't expressed things that he likes or hates to me. He just always seems like he's feeling it. Um, and so, like I said, they're so easygoing – they'll ask for random songs here and there. And I feel guilty right now that my brain isn't in like, it's been so long since I've seen them that I can't recall certain songs right now, but it's like I said, I can tell they'll give me like the look over during, you know, pregame warmups and they'll just give me a head nod and I know I'm on the right, right track. So, and that's the fun part about every game. I try to give them something different. So it's, you know, that they are, you know, new songs pop off daily, frankly, and I'm trying to stay ahead of that curve because that's, I think, a part of the culture is making sure that, you know, we try to stay stay on track with things that, that make them happy so that they can perform their best. i got to ask you about uh, Kyle Corver. Is he a One Direction person? You know, Kyle, ah, I don't know much of his music taste. Again, so the private events I've done, I feel like Kyle's always had his kids. And so... I think whatever makes his kids happy. Um, but I don't know, Kyle. There's a couple of guys that I'm still trying to figure out, and Kyle's one of them, but I don't know what he loves, um, like what makes Kyle, like, tick. And so that's on my list. Um, Dante's been somebody – I know Dante's case because people have told me, but him, Dante, DJ, and Kyle – are three of the guys that I haven't been able to crack yet that it's like a game for me to try to figure out what, you know, makes them tick and that isn't like the easy stuff, if that makes sense. Like something that's going to make them turn their heads and be like, okay, Sean, that's what's up. 
Okay, well, fair enough. Well, now let's move along to uh, the basketball season. Currently, the NBA is on a hiatus right now. So before we had the break, unfortunate due to the pandemic, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the Bucks season, the Bucks were on a roll, Shauna. They were currently, uh, for the moment, they were in first place in the Eastern Conference with a record of 53-12. and 12. And they definitely were picking up right where they left off last year with the play of Giannis and, of course, uh, Eric Bledsoe and the Lopez brothers and uh, Chris Middleton and a uh, great talent on that team. Before we had the uh, stoppage of play due to the pandemic, how would you rate the Bucks' season so far? Did you think they were right where they left off, picked up right where they left off last year? Or do you think they were better than last year? I definitely think they were better. And that's, I think, something that I feel privy to as being – um, a former athlete again in watching team chemistry be built and buying into a program. And I, I know that their athleticism and their talents are head and shoulders, obviously above like anywhere I was or anything that we can fathom as, as fans, um, just different, they're different beasts really. And I, I definitely think they were better. And that was the coolest part was watching them every game get better and um, watch, again, like watching Bayern into, into the coach's system and just to execute. And I enjoyed that a lot. And I think that, you know, going into the pandemic and being put on a hiatus and being Milwaukee fans where we're just so thirsty for a championship, that alone was a whole entire grief process, is a whole grief process to see, you know, what's going to happen um, given the news that has just come out even today. And, um you know, I, I, I'm confident that they are going to be able to pick up right where they left off, and, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun run. Let's stay with it. I was going to mention about the uh, the NBA possibly resuming their season. There's a talks that most likely it could happen at the Walt Disney World uh, Complex in Orlando, Florida. So have you been in contact with the, with the Bucks and league officials about this? And if so, will you be able to – travel travel to the site or would you have to just work remotely until until further notice yeah i haven't been in direct contact yet and i think you know like you mentioned we saw the update we saw that the um the gms all passed you know they voted yes to 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 vote for the 22 teams headed to orlando in the end of july and i think there's still some some hoops that have to be jumped through for that to be a hundred percent. And so it's, it's progress. It definitely is progress, but um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many variables still, so I haven't heard anything directly. I imagine that um, the, the, the um, travel team is going to be pretty small based on our current circumstances, but if they need me, I guarantee you I will be ready and I'll be in Orlando or whatever it may be. If I'm here in Milwaukee doing whatever I can do, even if that means I'm sitting on my couch cheering them on. So um, it, it's a special team to be a part of, for sure. All right. Well, speaking of a uh, special team, you know, the Bucks have been a special team for a long time, one of the storied franchises in the NBA. They have a franchise player in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Tell me, what? Um, how long have you – how long have you known Giannis and what, what's your experiences like with, been with him, not just from an athletic standpoint, but just a human being standpoint? I wish – I don't want to. I don't. I don't ever want to take credit that I know him. I don't have the capability to text him. I think he would. He would. I'm confident that he would recognize me because I've been around enough. And uh, I did 
I was very lucky to DJ his baby shower, his and Mariah's baby shower, the local one they had in Milwaukee. Um, but watching him, you know, as I think everybody has, he is inspiring, honestly. And, and there are times I look at the pictures when he first got to Milwaukee and I look at him today and I don't, I don't, I can't fathom like the work that he has and the drive, the the fact that he put his entire family on his back and changed his family's life because this is what he wanted to do. And it chokes me up because I just think it's the epitome of, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, the American dream, like because he had an opportunity and he grabbed a hold of it, Ed, and he did not let go. And I think that's what's crazy is watching him get his MVP award last summer in the Deer District outside of Fiserv, the first year it was built, and thousands of people that were there, and just how he, in my opinion, he has been what Milwaukee has needed and just continued to bring our city together. Um, and he is who we see is. Like, I, I believe that and with all of me. It's, there are times where he makes me giggle because he doesn't understand American culture 100% because why should he? he well, he's not from here, you know, there's things he's still learning about. I think there was a summer where he was, like, going through all these American culture things, like he had a smoothie for the first time, and he was tweeting about it. And it's just funny because you forget the first time he had a smoothie, and here is this adult NBA superstar sharing his first experiences that it's so innocent and adorable. And so it's just he allows himself to be vulnerable in ways that I think are really inspiring. And um, I think he tried to learn the guitar even during the hiatus. There was a clip of him trying to play guitar, which I don't know how that went, but I'll <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, Giannis, uh, from the looks of it, not only a, a one-of-a-kind player, but just uh, seems to be a one-of-a-kind person. And like you said, things that we take for granted in America, I mean, something simple as trying a smoothie, you know, it's just it, it brought – joy to him and certainly hopefully yep. he'll continue to bring joy to the Bucks for many seasons to come and speaking of bringing joy there was a, a gentleman that we lost way too soon Kobe Bryant the Black Mamba the man brought so much joy not only to Laker fans but basketball fans over the all over the world do you have any memories or any uh, stories you may want to share maybe a run-in that you had with Kobe Bryant yeah, and it's not even um, – I wasn't even a part of the NBA at the time, honestly. I was uh, I was DJing a private event uh, over downtown Milwaukee, and it was an early event. It was like a happy hour type of thing. And so I get wind because literally next door that the Lakers are having steak next door. And the way I remember my heart feeling is like, like it's just, it's just amazing. Growing up, for me, when I grew up, the WNBA didn't exist when I was a kid. And so for me, it was always, I wanted to be the first girl in the NBA. Like all of these things that you talk about. So you, you know, you watched Kobe do what he did and just elevate the game and, you know, after his career, then as a female, I loved what he was doing for the women's game and what he was doing for Gianna. And um, so the first time I met him, again, was unplanned, totally on accident. I have the photo literally in my bedroom, um, and he's walking out of this restaurant, and I'm with my mom and my brother, and I just got done DJing. And I, I look like a little teenager that, like, just, like, I can't even explain it. Like, they got to just play at Chuck E. Cheese for seven hours and couldn't stop smiling. And I walk up to him, and I remember I introduced myself, and I shook his hand, and I said, Kobe, I'm a big fan. 
Um, I'm a professional basketball player, too. And my next line was, I was like, and this is my mom. And my mom had been drinking too much at this event. And so she tried to take okay. this photo. Yeah, and the photo was terrible, Ed, like awful. So you can imagine, like, I'm sitting here with Kobe, his arms around me. Like, he made me feel like we were best friends. Like, that's how I wow. was feeling. And, like, the picture, like, says it all, too. Like, to me, it looks like we had hung out. Like, it just, it looks like we were comfortable. And so my mom, bless her heart, is trying to take this photo and finally, my brother stepped up and got a good one. So, like, I almost missed my chance. Um, but speaking on, if I may, how much he loves women's basketball, I um, I didn't get a chance to hang out with him. So, being a part of the women's Final Four, I was working. And this was this was the year Enrique stole it all. So, Notre Dame. So, that was last year, um, last uh, over a year ago. And... Um, UConn went down in the final four and Kobe was there with his whole entire family, Vanessa and all the kids. And he was walking past me and I just put my fist out. Can you fist bump me? And it was just, it's so cool to just have people like that of that caliber be ambassadors for a game that I love so much and would give anything to, to for, because I feel like I am who I am because of this game of basketball. I have my education because I can dribble a ball. I've gotten to travel not only the country but the globe because I can dribble a ball and I learned how to shoot. And all of these experiences that basketball brought me, not to mention the teammates and the people and the food, like everything, literally because of this basketball and how many people it brings together to be in the presence of Kobe at the Women's Final Four with his family was something that I hope I never, ever forget. Oh, wow, that, that's amazing. You know, I've heard so many uh, cool stories about Kobe Bryant and just uh, how he's impacted people in different ways. And certainly he had a, an undying devotion, not just to his daughter Gianna, but more importantly in the grand scheme of things and uh, to the game of women's basketball. And, man, it's, his second act was, was going to be phenomenal. But we still have the memories of yeah. not just him as a basketball player, but definitely just as a, a human being and, and what he did as a filmmaker winning an Oscar. So uh, rest in peace mm-hmm. to Kobe. And now let's. Let's talk now about the NCAA Women's Basketball Final Four. Um, tell our audience just a little bit about what you do in um, DJing that uh, tournament. Yeah, that's such an honor. Um, I'm, if I may share with you, because it's something I'm really proud of, Ed, the first year I got into live entertainment, I was working at Marquette University, which is literally down the block from me. And the head coach at the time was Carolyn Keeger. So she played at Marquette. We played against each other when I was at Wisconsin, and Keegan whooped my butt every time and is an intense competitor. But she's the reason that I learned what live entertainment was. Like, I had, we had been talking for two years reading up Marquette women's basketball needed a DJ. They, like, if you ever get a chance and you love women's basketball, come to Milwaukee and go to a Marquette game and go to the Al. It's the, the gym that volleyball plays in, and it's a gym built for women's basketball games. And it is okay. one of the coolest gyms, I think, ever. Um, it's just the space and what what they've built there is just really cool. So Keegs brought me in. And coincidentally, that same year, Marquette hosted the Big East Women's Basketball Tournament. So normally it's held in Chicago at DePaul. I think they were doing some renovations or something. So for some reason, it got moved to Milwaukee for one year. And I got to DJ the entire tournament, which was also a blast. They have all the teams, all the bands, like, it was just, it was such a cool environment, and Marquette um, had a phenomenal team that year, which I think I'm pretty confident they won the tournament, too. So 
I'm sitting at the Big East Women's Basketball Tournament, my first year in live entertainment, first year as Marquette's, like, official DJ and MC. And I started to think to myself, like, if I'm here at Marquette, who's at the Final Four? So, of course, I go home. And mind you, we're two and a half, three weeks maybe away from the Women's Final Four because of, like, how, you know, things kind of play out. Less than a month for sure. And couldn't find anything, that there wasn't a DJ, there wasn't this. And I was like, well, you know, the Bucks got a DJ. I'm at Marquette, so how can I get in and at least have a conversation? Nobody had any answers for me. So I honestly, Ed, and I don't know if I could do it again if you paid me a million dollars. I Googled and somehow got a phone number for the NCAA, which, again, if you paid me a million dollars, I don't know that I could do because I don't think the NCAA wants anybody calling them the way I called them and leaving them voicemails. And so I left a rambling voicemail about my story, saying, I'm a former basketball player, I'm at Marquette, I want a DJ for you in Dallas this year for the Women's Final Four. About a day or two later, ironically, a woman that I went to Madison with that was in our sports information department worked for the NCAA, and she, like, put her name on the line for me as a character reference. She never heard me DJ, but she was around when I played basketball at Wisconsin, and NCAA challenged me, and they said, if you can find a flight to Dallas, now maybe two and a half weeks, two weeks away, if you can find a place to stay, we'll give you an opportunity here. Not related directly to the in-game stuff, but I was doing support in what's called tourney time. And so I found a way to Dallas. I found a place to stay. I stayed on a couch with some other friends and an Airbnb that had too many people in it, and I had a blast. And that's how I got the job for the next year they brought me back to Columbus and had me in-game as the official DJ and host. So it's just such a really cool tournament to be a part of. Again, I never got to be there as an athlete and to be there for a game that I love with, again, all my heart, and I can't express that enough. And to be a part of it um, is, like, breathtaking. And so I do support. I do um, one of my favorite events is, which is when the final four teams get there, I DJ a private party for just them and the coaching staff, like their travel party. And it's one of the coolest things, one of the most VIP, like top of the line events I've ever been able to be a part of. Again, just with the athletes, I love getting them to dance and you bring them together and then they go battle it out on the court a couple of days later. All the way to um, they have a free concert on Saturdays and Final Four games, in-game, all of these things that the Women's Final Four does for an entire week in the city that they get to take over. And it's just they include me in as much as I can physically do, and uh, it makes my heart feel so full. It's one of the most amazing weeks of the year for me that I look forward to and was disappointed, but understandably so, that we weren't able to make it happen this year. Well, I mean, that, that would have been an exciting experience right there. But I want to ask you, um, what difference is? Is there a specific playlist that you have during the women's final four? Is it similar to the format that you do with the Bucks, or do you have to change things up different? Uh, change things up a little bit. Players' music is always usually the same. Um, I will say, so I moved over. I, I was at Marquette for two years, and then I had an opportunity to kind of get back to Wisconsin to where they gave me the opportunity for football, men's and women's basketball, so I got to work more and be a part of more. And so I learned a big difference between women's basketball and men's basketball. And the players, like I said, the players' music is generally pretty similar. I think when you're looking at that age demographic, um, with all the love in my heart, 
the men's team is very much more on the the women's teams will they love hip hop also then they will they want to hear some pop too. And so that's really the only difference. In game is very different um between a men's basketball game and a women's basketball game because women I'm actually allowed to play more. Um on dead balls now you can play play sounds and add a little bit more um entertainment to it. Um whereas the men's game it's just that there's different rules. But for the most part at the college level it's pretty much the same. Do you have to take breaks? Because we know that college, not just college basketball, but college sports in general, and particularly with the Final Four, as you mentioned, they bring uh, the, the booster teams and the spirit squads, and they bring marching bands. Do you ever have to have a, have a, had a conflict with the marching bands, like knowing when to play and stop playing so the march to the bands can have an opportunity to get their uh, chance to play their selections? That's a great question. Um, that's that's what's very different from college to the NBA, where the NBA it's just me, and nonstop. And um, collegiate, yeah, we have the bands. So football games, basketball games, I'm very used to, and I love working with bands. Um, the cool thing about in-game entertainment is we're always on headset, so we're always in some sort of communication, and it's all scripted. Um, and things are fluid and changes. As live entertainment, as I'm sure you know, like you come up with technical difficulties, things can happen. But for the most part, um, I'm always ready, but I um, I love working with bands, and I love when uh, DePaul's band is actually one of our favorite bands to be able to play with, and kind of we kind of did it like a back-and-forth thing. And I've gotten to play with some cool bands because I've fortunately been part of three of the Power Five women's basketball tournaments now, which has been just so cool to see different teams and, like you said, different bands and different environments play. Okay, great to hear. Now, another thing that you've accomplished is that you're also the official DJ for the the University of Wisconsin Badgers football program. Now, that is uh, no small potatoes within itself because we know that Wisconsin is a, a one of the premier schools, not just in, in – they play in one of the, the power conferences in college football in the Big Ten. How did you, how did you land the gig? That's a great question, and kudos. I love – oh, man, I love – so – I love it. I love being a Badger, and I think um, Wisconsin was a little bit, uh, I don't want to say behind because it, it sounds negative, but they didn't have a, a DJ DJ yet. They had music, but um, I think I care about what I do because it adds a personality. It puts a, a face to something, and I think it makes it just a little bit more tangible and now becomes an experience that you can see the person that is playing the music um, versus when you just hear the music, you don't re- you don't really think about that there's someone actually playing it. So I think that's a value add for when you bring a DJ into college sports. And I have to give props where props are due, and I would not be at Wisconsin without Alondo Tucker. So Alondo and I played basketball at the same time. He was, I think, a year or two younger than me, but phenomenal player. He went on to play in the NBA and overseas. He had made his way back to Wisconsin and started working in the athletic department, and um, he pushed for me heavy. He he pushed big time, and um, it's something I'm grateful for. I think it helped that I was a Badger. It helped that I had the Women's Final Four under me and um, Marquette and the Big East Tournament at the time, and I had some knowledge of, you know, in-game entertainment because, like you said, 
I didn't understand when they told me that football was a different beast, but football is a different beast. There's 80,000 people at Camp Randall, and, um, you know, it just works differently. I play less, but I'm there longer because, um, you know, we only play during timeouts, and uh, those are, you know, often dictated by the TV schedule or TV, you know, producer, if you will. But um, I I just enjoy being a part of that program because, again, Madison was – had a huge part in, in shaping who I am as a human, and so it's an honor to be a part of the Badger Athletics family. Awesome to hear. Now, you mentioned that you play less at the football games, as you said before, due to uh, TV timeouts and also with, with the marching bands, but I want to ask you, when you do get an opportunity to play at the football games, do you do you follow specific playlists, or this is just something that's just universal? No, it's so we have some things, you know, that are part of our culture, if you will. Um, I don't know if you've been fortunate enough to come to a Badger game, but I'm sure you're familiar with Jump Around. Um, yeah, so that House is of Pain, huh? Yeah, so um, mm-hmm. playing that going into the fourth quarter has been a tradition long before even I started playing basketball. And to be the one that gets to push play on that is something that sticks like goosebumps every time, Ed, and uh, – I have some cool videos of me just literally pushing one button and 80,000 people going berserk. And uh, I've experienced being in the media booth and feeling, you know, the its sway. And it is, it's a surreal feeling. Again, 80,000 people literally jumping around. We have So some things are part of our culture. We um, build me up buttercup is also something that is something you, you wouldn't associate with football games. But it's a song again that's just ingrained in Badger culture. So the the thing, other than jump around, we have some songs that are kind of, I guess, on stand, never um, guaranteed, if that makes sense. The players playlist again, that's something that I tried to evolve every game, and I started those. I didn't have as much of a relationship with them um, as I do basketball because I'm so far away and there's so many guys on the football team, but I started to make some relationships with some of the guys who would communicate with me, certain artists or songs and, and stuff. So it was, it was really fun to like see them get hyped up when you would play a song. They love DMX. So that always made my heart really happy to play DMX and all, all the guys are out there right before they would head back into the locker room for um, essentially kickoff. So, it's, again, it's something that I never really go in. Like, it's super scripted, and it's something that I feel fortunate enough to have some experience and you feel it out, and you have a library that's deep enough, and you can just rock and roll with it. Who would you say is the, uh, the Wisconsin's toughest rival in the conference? Oh, that's a, I mean, Minnesota is something that, you know, we talk about the acts all the time. Um, it, it just It was fun for me because I didn't get to be a part of the student culture when I was in undergrad due to basketball um, practices and games and things like that and, and workouts on on Sunday. So it wasn't really a part of my world, um, and I didn't really pay attention to it, which I feel kind of guilty. I knew some of the guys, but it wasn't something that I followed. So I learned more about the culture, and they have – it's interesting, though, when you look at some of the teams that have been in the Big Ten for a while battling each other, like the Gophers and even Iowa and – um, Illinois, man, they rocked us this year. That was something that was disappointing. So it's, 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 uh, 
they're games we weren't supposed to lose, and uh, we did, and Illinois was one of them. I don't know if I could say biggest rival, but if I had to, I would guess Minnesota. I think because of the reciprocity that we have between Minnesota and Wisconsin. I thought you were going to mention that team from Columbus. Mm. Ohio State, yeah. Yeah, or maybe the team from Ann Arbor, the Wolverines. And, you know, we'll see, and that's the thing. Like, you just, they, at any year, I mean, even look at Nebraska. Like, sometimes you just, you get shell-shocked and out of nowhere, but then you look at Ohio State, another powerhouse that um, is just a huge game. So, you know, I'm not the best when it comes to football stats. I just remember certain things, but you're not wrong, Ed. <laughs> That's why the Big Ten is so strong. Like, look at those teams. Yeah, rightfully so, and uh, definitely the Big Ten, one of those power conferences, not just in football, but basketball as well and other sports as well. But something that we're dealing with, DJ Shauna, right now, we were in the midst of a a pandemic right now with coronavirus, and the COVID-19 pandemic has not only affected the world of sports, but society in general as well. Where you're currently based at right now, Wisconsin, of course, the news has broken of the NBA voting to save the season with a a, a 22-team format. Now, we know how coronavirus has impacted the NBA and other things. How has, how, first of all, I want to ask you how, you, how have you handled the pandemic and how has the state of Wisconsin handled uh, the pandemic? Okay. Um, I think personally it rocked me. I, I know my world unfolded that Wednesday night on Twitter. I was at home in March. I had just gotten back. I, I was fortunate enough to DJ um, the Women's Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas. So I got to see Sabrina Ionesco play her last collegiate game, which was just amazing, and win a championship. And um, I got home from Vegas. I was getting ready. We had a Thursday game, I think, against the Celtics. And so Wednesday night, you know, I have the games on or whatever in New Orleans, I think. And all of a sudden, my Twitter just starts, like, freaking out. And I and it just, like, I kind of knew it was coming um, in some capacity, but I don't think any of us were ready for any of that. And so for the next, you know, what seemed like just days, I just, I was glued to my phone in such an unhealthy way, just trying to get any sort of information and idea on, you know, what's going to happen. Um and so I transitioned into once, you know, kind of everything settled because I kind of think the NBA set a precedent for the rest of the country is like once that shut down, like you said, once we had a player that got sick and things shut down, it's kind of like rocked our country. And we realized like, okay, this is, this is kind of serious and we should take this seriously. And so for me then it was like, how can I be relevant? How can I be how can I still hopefully add value to some people's lives and still do what I love and am passionate about and make people happy and share some music? And then, Ed, I learned about copyright and licensing like no other. Um, oh, yeah, and the legalities, yeah. right? And the legalities with that. I went live once on Facebook DJing, and within like 21 minutes, I got three warnings. And for who I am and my brand, I didn't want to risk that. I don't. I want to be able to say that I'm going to do something and that it's going to happen. So barring all technical difficulties, but I didn't want to risk uh, getting shut down. I didn't want to risk. um, I just, I like to follow the rules personally. And so for the next like two to three and a half weeks, I was 
constantly, day in, day out. I felt like I was working like 10 to 12 hours a day, learning, reading, talking, trying to figure out a way around DJing and not having to worry about, again, copyright and licensing laws. Um, I went so far as trying to purchase that. Like, how can I purchase um, essentially um, uh, the the rights to play music? Like, if I've legally bought these, like, I, I talked to lawyers, like, all these things. And things just continue to evolve and unfold. And then um, after all that work, there was a website that came out that's a part of the DJ world called Mixcloud. And they are in beta still, but um, answered all of our questions. And it's legal to DJ on Mixcloud for, um, you know, a paid membership. But um, you can stream excuse me, video or just audio, and they kind of rectified everything. I found a, a, a way that wasn't ideal, but um, I was able to go live on Facebook with Muted, and I had a friend. He actually owns his own uh, radio station that's associated with iHeart, and he was so kind to let me DJ basically whenever I wanted and jump on his radio station and play music. And so I streamed audio onto um, A100, which um, I couldn't have done without my friend Andrew, and um, kind of try to draw attention on Facebook and get people to jump on on the radio station. So um, <clears throat> I spent probably the first month and a half to seven weeks. It was just kind of nonstop evolving and trying to stay positive and um, feel like mm, I was still fulfilling what I think is like my, one of my purposes in life is to just make people happy and I, I love playing music and I like bringing joy to people. Absolutely, and then you sounds like you you you're making the most out of the situation and just continuing to just you know stay practicing and that was good that your your friend was able to help you out and help you you know get that get those get those mixes out man as they say it's best sometimes it's best to have friends in high places and he definitely helped you out with that so let's uh, I know. continue yeah absolutely and let's continue now with uh any current projects you're working on besides to uh doing the mix shows and uh, any anything else that you're currently working on um i am i think i'll be very frank with you today and my heart's been so heavy with everything I think that our country has been facing. And I live in downtown Milwaukee. um, And so I am right now, I think, stuck because I want to make space for people that need it and for the voice. And so I think I've been trying to figure that out, like what's next for me that makes sense and is, is, is right and is fair and acknowledging systemic racism that our country has face for 400 years and um, I've been somewhat heartbroken this weekend it would would have been Milwaukee Pride and I've been um, vacillating I have um, some Pride t-shirts here and I'm trying to figure out what to do with them that is again that something that I think is is doing the right thing for the right reasons and that's something I try to always live by so um my la- the last week for me has been, um, you know, just paying attention to, to everything that's been going on and trying to be a part of things that I can. I've been part of our neighborhood cleanups, and I've been trying to learn a lot and share resources and grow and understand my own biases and, and learn when I need to check myself and check people around me and try to be a better person. And I want to be a part of, you know, the change and the revolution. I want to be on the right side of history. And so, Maybe that's a project I think that I could label that as because I think it's something that is 
is at the the forefront of conversations and the forefront of, you know, every newscast that you turn on. And um, so I'm just trying to figure out how I can still be me as who I am and as, as Shauna Nichols as in, and as DJ Shauna while hopefully adding value and not taking away from um, the change that needs to happen for black people in our country um, while, while making sure I, I allow space for that, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense, and I was going to go into that before we end the conversation. Of course, is you know a, a lot of the country and a lot of our world is still uh, feeling the pain and the agony over the, the tragic death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. We've seen a lot of cities such as Minneapolis and Milwaukee and New York City and New Orleans and Los Angeles and many cities around the world have taken it to the streets. They've protested, and they've just – have expressed their anger and have said enough is enough and and, um, this brutal epidemic, another epidemic known as police brutality. Um, You you shared, you touched some points, but just give me some more of your thoughts on um, the tragic death of George Floyd and and how people in Milwaukee, how have they handled uh, this ordeal? Yeah. um... Oh, Ed, it makes my heart heavy. I, um, I'm white, and I can't imagine, and I will never know what it feels like to be black, and I recognize that with my skin comes privilege. And um, it's, it's, it's sometimes, you know, it takes the breath away from me, and it leaves me speechless to be thinking this, you know, we're living through a pandemic, and like you said, another pandemic, and things have just come to a head, and we're living through... I think a phenomenal chapter in history right now. And that's something I think who I am as a person, I want to, I want to be proud of who I am during this time and being a part of change. And um, I think I'm, I'm Milwaukee hasn't stopped. They, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I said, I live downtown and we, there's protests every night and every afternoon and it hasn't stopped. Um, I don't know the numbers specifically. I know I follow it on Twitter. Um, I I am inspired on how uncomfortable it's making some people because I think that's what needs to happen. And I love, I frankly love that people are stopped dancing around an issue that I think a lot of us have been aware of. And if I can be, again, extremely candid, I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday is that I haven't been doing enough, and that is what breaks my heart. And um, I I feel guilty as an ally, and I want to be a part of more. And I'm in the NBA, one of the most amazing, I think, professional leagues when you're talking about equality. As somebody who identifies as gay and what they've done for Pride Nights and Pride in general and um, Black History Month in February. And so it's something that I recognize, again, that I make a living playing black music as a hip-hop professional DJ, which is associated with black culture. And it's something that I just want to make sure I'm doing right again. So it's been a lot of sort of soul-searching and trying to learn, and I don't know that I have... I don't. I definitely don't have the answers. Um, I just. I, I like the uncomfortable conversations. And even right now, I'm just you know trying to put words and thoughts into words. And I just think it's important that we keep talking about it. 
and not only talk about it and posting black squares on our social media, but then doing something about it. And I recognize that protesting isn't for everybody, but you get, there's so many other options, um, you know, cleaning up neighborhoods or signing petitions or you know, like making sure we vote and understanding this process and, and trying to day by day by day be a part of this change that has taken 400 years to finally come to a head like this. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's crazy to be living through that right now. And, um, I, I, I just, I think, um, it's a lot. I think it's a lot for everybody. And when I find myself feeling tired, I, uh, I feel guilty for that as well because I can't imagine being a peer of mine. And the only difference then is being black because I think, that that peer has been tired longer than I can even imagine that has lasted more than two weeks of protest. So I'm here for it. I want to be a part of the change and um, I'm, I'm excited to have more conversations like this. Yeah, rightfully so. Again, you know, the United States of America, man, it's got a, a lot of problems and the only way we can, you know, jump over those hurdles is just to get to uh um, taking that first step, as you said, of having those uncomfortable conversations, and maybe just, you know, maybe it will, you know, turn it will turn the corner. And it, it's, it's again, it's so tragic that he he lost his life for nothing. But maybe this could turn the corner, and you know, hopefully justice will be served. And you know, again, rest in peace to George Floyd and all the all the tragic uh, all the people that have lost their lives tragically tragically to uh, police brutality. So again, uh, DJ Shauna, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. Before we let you go, let the audience know where they can find you on social media, and if you have a website, let them know that as well. Ed, thank you. This has been, um, this makes my heart happy, and and throughout the pandemic, things like this um, definitely make my heart feel full and and inspire me, and so I appreciate you for motivating me, for requesting me to be be on the show. I know you had Dents on um, just a little while ago, and I've been fortunate enough to be a part of, you know, his world in the NBA, and I think you had Ruche on, so it's it's cool to be a part of the conversation and to be included, so thank you for your time. It means a lot to, to just be included, so thanks for listening to me ramble and share some goofy stories with you and, and talk seriously, so thank you for what you're doing, Ed. Um, oh, you're my welcome social media, everything. Thank you. Uh, careful what you wish for, because I always like new, awesome friends, so you might get sick of me, Ed. Careful. Um, my social media though is at DJ Shauna DJ S-H-A-W-N-A I'm pretty active on Instagram and Twitter I'm on Facebook um, and then my website is also djshauna.com and um, it's one thing if I may share one of my most favorite projects that I've done and I won't take I don't where I, where I, know I want to make sure I'm cognizant of your time I published a kid's no, go ahead book. take your time um Oh, thank you. I published a kid's book in honor of my late stepdad, Joe, who we lost unexpectedly about almost three years ago to um, terminal cancer. But I wrote a kid's book about our family dog, and all the proceeds actually go to a nonprofit here in Milwaukee called Key to Change, which is to help our chronically homeless families and individuals. And right now, all the money during the pandemic that's going to Key to Change is literally going back out into people that need immediate help. So whether that is um, masks or water bottles or anything that it might need, it's literally going back out to people in our city 
that um, are some of the most vulnerable population right now. I can't imagine being homeless and dealing with a pandemic. Um, so I just wanted to drop that. And if people are interested, that's on. You can find it there through um, DJ Shauna. It's under my clothing line, which is called Dare to Be Clothing, and it's all it's all there. Um, but I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. All right, fair enough, and you heard it from her. She's DJ Shauna. She's the official DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks, also the NCAA Women's Basketball Final Four, and the Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin Badgers football. And she's also an accomplished author as well. So make sure you check her out, whether it be on the internet and check out the websites. And if you had a Bucks game, check her out as well. Shauna, thank you so much for being on the program. Yeah, thank if you, have, you. you want to come back on free, please feel free to let us know. To Ed, I'm always here, man. I appreciate you so much. Stay safe and stay healthy, okay? Well, too, you do the same. And, uh, wait, Sean, I want you to stay on for a second. I'm at Robinson, and uh, that's going to do it for another exciting edition of the Robinson Show. And remember, for God first in everything you do, you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. And remember, uh, as DJ Shauna said, uh, stay safe and stay home. And, uh, Shauna, I'm going to uh, – I've queued up the instrumental – I have the instrumental queued up to House of Pain's Jump Around, so – that's one of the songs that you play at the Wisconsin football game. So just uh, give me an example of how, how you would do it and just uh, take us on home. <laughs> Man, that, that makes me happy. You're awesome. I have goosebumps right now. So what you would see on the big screen behind me is what we call the student section races. And so there's, there's the student sections are by letters, and it's literally like this graphic that looks like it was made in, like, the 90s. And everybody gets geeked up about it. And as soon as one of the letters crosses the finish line, that's when you hear that first note of jump around. That just puts everybody into a frenzy. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that, huh? That, exactly. You're, you're coming for my job. You can have it, man. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That, that's for you. I'll let you have that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's uh, DJ Sean, and that's going to do it. I'm Matt Robinson, and um, until next time, stick to the script. I'm out. Peace. People who are sick should stay home. You don't go to an emergency room. You don't go to a clinic. You get on the phone, and you ask for advice and instructions from your physician. Then you use those instructions to determine what you're going to do. But the first reflex should not be, I feel sick, I'm going to go to an emergency room. I feel sick, I'm going to just go to a doctor's office. We need to physically separate. Ultimately, you may need, obviously, to see a physician or to go to a hospital. The first reflex should be to make a call to your physician. This is Santia Deck, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked.